our parents worked not because they loved it, not because it was an expression. It was just something they had to do. Work is more iterating. Freelancing has come to stay. There will be bad sides. There are employees who take work from home as a day off. They are hiring. It's spiritual. All organizations will have to be as dynamic as required. I think a critical conversation for the African talent is survival. How do you mean? The desperation to survive, I believe, is what is driving the African talent to lie to the employer. Trust will become the greatest issue going forward. There is a generation of people that have not entered an office like this before. And they, they graduated from university. To do more or to earn more, you can't be alone. What's one thing that you think makes a winning team? Stupidity. Eh? Welcome to Building from Africa. Building anything at all is hard, but building from Africa is a new kind of hard. As a matter of fact, it has its intricacies and it has its peculiarities. That's why we are driving conversations today around what has worked, what hasn't worked with the people, the players, entrepreneurs and the entrepreneurs who have successfully built from Africa or even failed while building from Africa. I look forward to having you on this journey as we unearth insights, strategies and wisdom required to build successful ventures that changes Africa. Join me on this episode. Hello everyone, welcome to this conversation today. We are back. Uh, I'm sure you could see we have a new set, new, and my first guest on this oh, new really? set. Yes, yeah, my first guest. Looks good. Actually, Looks good. yeah, Looks on good. this new set. You typically, we use a different um, setup, okay. um, but we are trying to change up the game and okay. have more conversations that will help build enterprise. Nice. On this channel, it's actually called Venture Valley. And the whole idea is for us to see how we could syndicate conversations okay. around building an enterprise. Okay. Um, basically, we found what makes TM TM, right? What is that ikigai for us really? And it's the intersection of enterprise, intersection of marketing, nice. and it's also the intersection of passion. Okay. So we like to call ourselves the learning company. So what that means is that um, we we love to learn and we love to syndicate conversations around learning because at the end of the day, life is a game of who can think the best. You know, that's something that we believe in. So today we'll be exploring the future of work. Cool. Um, right now, the landscape is changing. People speak about Voca. Changing fast. Changing fast, yeah. Fast. I mean, people speak about Voca. It's, it's volatile, it's uncertain, you know, can be chaotic and ambiguous. But... Um, There's a D to it now, though. Oh, really? What's the... Disruption. Disruption? Okay. Vukad. Okay. I mean, they keep updating these things, you know. <laughs> Everyone comes up with their own school of thought. <laughs> yeah. But I think... Um, I think I'll... But first of all, let me introduce my guest. Yeah. Let me not go into the conversation, <laughs> right? My, my name is Ben Gattitude. Yeah. Can, uh, uh, GT, can you introduce yourself? Let me not... Okay. Let me not... Uh, uh, I find it hard to use some time. But my name is just Ben Gattitude, to be honest. Um... Mm. I, I, I have a background in economics. Um, mm-hmm. and my entry point into HR was learning. I just love to simplify complex things. Okay. And, and for me, that moment when I'm either in class or in a conversation and people go, oh, I get it. That, that, that light in the eyes of people is something that gives me such a high. Um, and then over time, whilst in consulting, I went through the entire value chain. And I saw how learning is connected with productivity and performance and growth and all of that. And so I doubled into other areas of HR and consulting and I came out into practice 
uh, was involved in a few organizations like the Stock Exchange, Women Bank, um, and had a foray into technology. Um, mm, technology. Yeah, I, I headed incubation for CCO for a while. Okay. For a short while. Um, and then came out, was part of L5 Labs and stuff. So I, I spent about a four or five year period with different startups, really just understanding the entire back end of technology, how VCs work, what sort of you know products they're looking for, and all of that. Did some work in Africa as well on project basis. I mean, as a consultant, you you almost available to travel anytime. Uh, but about eight years ago, I felt what I do in HR will become more. It will become a service I render than a job that I'm doing. Mm. And that was what made me start um, Island and Grants, uh, what we call a people development company. And in in eight years, it's been it's been some good work. So. I am. I, I don't like to use the word HR. I'd rather people because I think it's more encompassing. So, I'm in the people business basically. Um, hmm. that, that that's how I introduce myself. All right. Um. So, looking at the conversation around people, yeah. what's something that you are observing in the current landscape that is exciting you or making you think or keeping you up at night? <laughs> well, so, and that's an interesting thing. I'm either thinking about solving a client's problem or I'm thinking of innovating around a challenge that I am currently facing. And, and there are many angles to it. Uh, when I talk about the future of work and tie to people, I would, up until about a quarter ago, I would have just mentioned three things that sort of anchors that conversation. And that would be the changes to what we see as work, what we see as the worker, and changes to the workplace. Okay. Those, those three things are critical to explaining the future of work. Changes that we are seeing to the definition of work. Okay. Changes we are seeing to who a worker is and the average workplace today. And But there's a fourth dimension to it, and I'll come back to explain the three, which is the reality of the larger economy. Mm also influencing those three things. So these four things are happening at the same time. And I'll tell you why. So work. Work used to be something we go to the to the office to do. Work used to be uh, given to us as time spent doing something. Yeah. But work is a lot now more projectized. Work is more iterative. Mm. Work is global. Uh, freelancing has come to stay. I can wake up in my house in my PJs, turn on my laptop, and I'm working. I can have work given to me in any language around the world. Technology platforms has made it easier for me to, one, showcase my talents and capabilities globally and have work given to me. Also because payment for work done can also now be global. So I get on Fiverr. Mm. I don't have to, for want of other words, be in Brazil. Someone in Brazil wants work done and he or she finds talent or capabilities here. I can get on it and do it. That singular definition is a huge chunk of what has defined the world future of work, which, which is now really now, not really in the future again. Two is the worker. The worker too has changed. Um, young, more younger people in the workplace, I mean, the whole conversation around Gen Zs, uh, I think people should wait for the alpha generation. They are crazier. Right, they are faster, more nimble. They are technology natives. Um, 
the whole conversation around being a nomad is also the worker wanting to travel, experience life or work, right? Um, our parents worked not because they loved it, not because it was an expression. It was just something they had to do. It's just go work, right? You do what you got to do. You do what you got to do, pay the bills and retire at a certain time. That was the way they were told. But the worker has changed. You and I, I guess you guys dress to work like this every day. There's probably no dress pattern or something, except maybe you're meeting a client or expecting a client yeah. is when you then say you dress a certain way. That was not so. And, and the reason why we have this influence in the workplace is because more and more workers brought their personality to what they do. We now see the work we do as an expression of our personality, right? Some would have argued that this was only for creatives and tech bros and tech C's, right? But just look at the last 10 years and how you take banking and then a standard, a standard chartered said, you don't have to wear ties. Just mm. do business casual and you're good. And then over time, other banks lost the ties, right? And a few other things started changing in those sectors. And then COVID came and accelerated everything. And well, we all couldn't return back to work in our suits. And because we now saw that one work work is available anywhere, I can get connected to the internet and I have my device. Yeah. The worker now has preferences. If you harass me too much, I'll resign and be at home and deploy my skill globally and perhaps earn more than I can or I was when you were tying me down to some nine to five. Mm. Right. And then the workplace could not but change alongside because we had the startup revolution, right? We had businesses that started in people's heads mm. and became billion-dollar companies. And so you can't tell me that is not an organization. I mean, three, four of the biggest companies in the world by valuation are tech companies, Google, Apple, Facebook, and forgotten the fourth one, right? Yeah. Tech companies that are now really, really global companies, again, influencing life, influencing tastes, influencing expectations. Those three things began to happen at the same time. And like I said, conversations in the larger economy. So you can't tell me not to travel abroad or desire to relocate if my skill is better valued outside. If I see that three years of work, any work in Canada and co will give me what 10 years of work here would give me, all of a sudden we have to have a conversation because that the conversation around the economic reality is now influencing my choice of career, which is why it was strange for people to understand why a senior manager in a bank would say, for the sake of my kids and my future, I'm 45, but I don't have a house, I don't have this. He's, he's considering his economic realities and choosing to dump all that and go do some odd job anywhere for five years, 10 years, that he can then, and guess what? Is it not funny? that we sell our houses here to go abroad. And when we make the monies abroad, we send the monies back to buy the houses here. Yeah. So you're seeing economic realities influencing the work we do, the kind of workers that we are, and the kind of workplaces that we are, or the kind of organizations that we're working. So these four things for me happening at the same time is what is influencing changes to the world of work. And and I think we are going to struggle more, not just with the changes, but the pace of the changes. Hmm. So are you saying, I mean, I like the fact that you say the workplace has changed, right? I mean, I've seen a lot of changes, yeah. um, even the way organizations work. Yeah. But do we think all the change that has been happening 
is necessarily good? And are we prepared for the consequences? Because then again, we leave a certain problem and we create another problem, right? Because I'm thinking, for example, Zoom, the company that we all use to yeah. go remote, <laughs> yeah. told all their staff to come back to the office, yeah. right? I'm sure they saw the, the challenge from the likes of what WhatsApp was doing, what yeah. Facebook was yeah. doing, you yeah. know, and most of these companies are still calling people back yeah. to the physical um, workspace. That won't stop. Right, more, more, of that. More, more of that will still happen. Yeah. So, are we saying that is this remote thing really a sustainable so we'll, structure? We'll, we'll be wrong to think everything about the future of work comes down to remote work. Okay, right. That's one. That it's it's a minute part of this conversation around future of work. True, though. Let's let's just leave this whole conversation about work and just go back fifty hundred years. Every major change, every phenomenon we've had, we were told it was bad. Fair we were enough. told it had <laughs> dangerous yeah. elements. Yeah. So this is not just about AI. We were told the internet was the was the wrongest of things to come to the world. But with the internet, we've had good things, we've had bad things. So let's let's just go back to that to say this whole conversation around changes to the world of work and all of that and the pace and all of that. There'll be good things, there'll be bad things, there'll be abuses. Yes, there are employees that would not work from home or would take work from home as a day off. Mm. We would rather be somewhere else chilling and all of that than doing work from home. Mm. But then the employer should also understand that it's not all homes that we can work from. Okay. Right? And that's why you're saying that some employers are even saying, even if you're going to work from home, we want to provide you a work tool to work from home. Some organizations can't even accommodate that hybrid work. So take production outfits. You're not going to produce whatever it is you're producing. You're not going to do it from home. You have to come to work, right? And that's why I say it again. The change is one. The pace of the change is another. And I think the bigger issue is how employees and employers are even going to be able to adapt to this change because nothing is cast in stone. I'm not going to use what Takeout Media is doing and go to FRS and say, do the same thing. Yeah, because they probably have not even created any document management system. They still have to carry files, mm. so they would not become takeout media in the next five years. But do we need structures like that? Do we need organizations like that? Yes. Do we need organizations like takeout media with the dynamism and the freedom? Yes. But you see, the issue is now: how are we adapting to the changes as quickly as we should? That, that's why I think is the conversation. There will be bad sides. Uh, just like we had the growth in production of cars and all of that, where people got injured, people died while working and all of that. You're just going to have that now where the truth is that we are supposedly in a more connected generation, but we are feeling more lonely, mm. right? Because, and, and we are seeing it happen in our recent research that more and more people are actually opting to return to work because they are bored at home, their networking capabilities reduced, is yeah. reduced. Uh, the vibe, the culture is being you can you can't come into a new organization and want to work from home from day one. You are gonna lose some things. Um, you can't manage your boss or your colleagues better if you can't read their body language and things like that. You can't onboard customers at a certain level without meeting with them. So eventually we will be if all organizations will have to be as dynamic as required. Mm. and find ways to come. So even I, I've seen a trend where if we say we have to come to the office twice a week and you can work from home three days a week, we now make those two days the days that everybody comes to the office. Mm. So then again, there's that vibe. So that more like a move towards a hybrid workplace. That's, that's the future. 
Yeah, I, I think I think I, I would really agree with you really on that because I think, like you said, it's dynamic. Very. And um, people are bringing their personalities to yeah. work. Yeah. So because people are bringing in their personalities, one must be also able to create an environment that can accommodate it to a certain extent while not losing yeah. what we already have, you yeah. know, in terms of not losing the main vision yeah. and the objective yeah. and the outputs. Yeah. Um, Which is why trust will become the critical thing going forward. But do you think there's something particular about the African space? Because I, I think also to the, the, one of the challenges I have as a business person is um, implementing certain things that work globally because the typical work culture, yeah. um, if you've done projects in like the US or the UK, a typical worker yeah. in that environment operates differently True. from a worker in Nigeria. Yeah. So yeah. you have certain issues that come up and I'm sure you've come across a lot of oh, these yeah. in your career. Yeah. Two things. Like I was just saying, trust will become the greatest issue going forward. Mm-hmm. You are my employer, I'm your employee. You've given me work to do. Trust me that I'll do it. And then I should, you should, I should give you the opportunity to trust me with that work. Right? So we are going to trade trust. You're working from home or anywhere. Trust me that I'll get it done. And, and, and I don't want to lose that going forward. Two, I think a critical conversation for the African talent is survival, right? How do you mean? Look at the so look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs. The first two are very basic. What countries or cultures outside of Africa has done is that government is involved in making those things available. So you are homeless, but you have a place to go live, go sleep in the night. Mm. The average Nigerian, the average African has to hustle for those things, mm. right? So the desperation to survive, to live, to eat, to feel safe, I believe is what is driving almost unconsciously the African talents to lie to the employer, to, to tell an employer, let me work from home two days a week. But it's those two days, I'm actually on another organization working. Mm. But if there is trust, and I'm not desperate for survival, I should be able to tell you as an employer that, you know what, you can't, I need to earn a millionaire a month. You are able to pay me 500,000 a month. Please allow me to go use my other two days to earn another 500,000 naira somewhere else. But trust that my work for you, for which you pay me 500,000, will not suffer. Hmm. That's, that's, very, that's very different. I'll use myself as an example. Hmm. And we said it as we're coming in. My employer knows I have a company. Really? I I got the offer before I resumed. It was during COVID. I requested that we should see him in person. And I want to see him before I resume. He said, well, I said, I just need to see you. And I asked him two questions. And we registered for like two, three hours. One, what is success to you on this role? If that I've succeeded on this role, what will it mean to you? He, he explained. And then two, I told him straight up, I know you know. It's on my resume. People who recommended me to you know that I have a company. It's important to me that I say it to you in person before I resumed. This is a 60-plus-year-old person. He couldn't believe it. He said, I've never seen this level of openness in my life, in business. And for that reason, I know they told me, but that you insisted on telling me before you resumed. My trust in you and respect for you just went up a notch. I've been there three years plus. Hmm. Really? I'm that's I've really, run this company that's eight really, years. Everyone, I mean, obviously, you're seeing it on this podcast. That means you everyone I've worked with in eight years knows I have a company. And I'm committed to not... I've told everyone, I'm building it for the long haul. 
Right. I've, I've been open with it. I mean, but the company doesn't necessarily compete with what your it existing compete, enterprise does. See, I'm not hiding it. Yeah. I won't even take your job if I know it's going to compete. But the real issue here is that I'm showing you my life. I'm telling you, this is important to me. So you are basically trading that trust that you just spoke about. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, let's let's dive a bit deeper. I mean, these topics are a bit high level. <laughs> yeah. So let's let's take let's take the bit yeah. let, let's take a bit down, right? Um, basically, we've established that the economic environment of the nation, which yeah. is like the fourth factor, yeah. right? Is going to affect the it quality is. of the workplace. It's it going to affect the quality of the worker. Yeah, uh, it's going to affect the quality of um, or, I mean the work, the work even that you get right. Um, so considering the fact that right now we, I mean, we saw a lot of Nigerians who started working remotely yeah. globally, and then we saw a lot of layoffs too. Yeah. Right, forcing us to come back home. <laughs> There's a jackpot, jackpot. Yeah, jackpot scenario <laughs> currently going on right now. I even think in tech space that everybody's confused. Like, what's really going to happen? Yeah. What do we do next? Yeah. You know, um, I like to think about it like, um, you know, the way. So it's almost like you you rejected your home and then you went <laughs> and then they now rejected you and then yeah. you came back home. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was say pretty girl son. <laughs> you know, but. Um, I think the fact is that the workplace has changed, right? And the work environment, the 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 work environment has to evolve and yeah. be more dynamic. Yeah. And I think it also helps businesses to also sure. um, transit and yeah. ensure be that they efficient. be more efficient, you know, and all that. But considering a business yeah. that is starting out today, yeah. let's say I want to build a startup, yeah. you know, and I'm having how does how should a young enterprise or a young entrepreneur be thinking about getting talent, you know, especially because they can afford yeah. high talent. Yeah. And, and I know this will lead to the conversations on stock options and all that. But let me... Let yeah, me, well... Let's come back I mean, let's, let's, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Yeah, I don't know what you will say yet. <laughs> yeah. So, first off, some businesses, so, you know, that entrepreneurial spirit, we are not sure. We just have an idea. There's something in our heads um, and we want to test it, right? So... To a very large extent, I tell people that in starting a business, structure is not what you should chase. Chase revenue first. Let that idea make someone give you money. Right? And to a very large extent, at that stage, you can run by yourself. So I take you, take our media. Mm. Uh, if I go back to the very first transaction or the early days, yeah. you could meet a client, send a tell them, they tell you their needs, you do the proposal. They accept, you give them the invoice, they pay, you sit, create the concept, you can execute by yourself. So, to the startup entrepreneur, I'm saying be good at what you do. Mm. However, if you must grow and do more, this is where the issue comes in. And that's why I have to tie it to revenue. You will now get to a point where you to generate revenue or to do more than you're doing, you need to be able to get work done while you are doing another work. And that places a demand on you to have someone else of whatever capacity to do some, maybe get the work up to 7% and gives it to you, you finish it up, right? Mm. Point is, to do more or to earn more, you can't be alone. You can't be alone? You can't. Okay. You, you can't. You Because you, just go back to those times. You remember when you literally forgot a client asked you to send a proposal. Yeah. 
you literally forgot to send invoice and you needed money. And then you call and say, well, I actually sent invoice two weeks ago. You literally forgot. Yeah. So there was need for people for you to earn more, to do more and subsequently earn more. So it places that demand on you or for you to seek help to find a way to then transfer this, your know-how in terms of the capability to do the job or the system with which you get it done to someone else. Mm. So the person may not be doing everything digital that you're doing, but that person sorts out your schedule. That person runs the bank. You see, you, so you don't have to transfer that know-how to that person or create a system or a simple process that helps that person to do it, or you have no clue what that is, and you have to hire someone with the capability and pay that person a portion of what you earn as, as revenue. Because if you don't do that, you can't do more, and you can then crumble everything you've built. Mm. Because now you lose trust. Mm. You, you don't get referrals. You don't chase new businesses. You're just executing the ones that are coming. And if... And that's where growth comes in. And that's the trouble of most entrepreneurs. When you want more, you deserve more, you can do more, there's more in the market, but you can't do it alone. I'm repeating. To earn more, you have to find someone else to do it. Mm. And to now do it consistently where there is income coming in, there's briefs and others running concurrently, you then see the need for a team, people doing different things, people able to represent you and deliver at, at, almost at your same level, level. Team level. So at that point, I tell every entrepreneur, when you are entering growth stage, the issue is no longer your technical capability to do that job. The issue is now your knowledge and ability to manage people to do the job. And that's where we crumble. Mm. Because all of a sudden, you are not talking brand strategy. You are talking... People, people, understanding people, understanding emotions, understanding, being able to see someone walk into an office and you can read body language and know some, something is wrong. You now begin to understand how paying salaries and paying at a certain date is important to someone because he or she has a good plan and has to pay school fees and those sorts of things. So you almost have to shift your focus away from the business to focus on the people doing the business, which mm. is why I play with the word uh, when the people business because. I, I doubt, I mean, with the number of people you have here, at a certain level, you are not the one creating the slides. You are not the one not the crafting the strategy. You are probably just allocating resources and moving people here and there and then finding new talents. All of a sudden, at growth stage, your work is really recruitment. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think one of the things I've observed with a lot of entrepreneurs, right, from my own little experience too, is um, a lot of entrepreneurs get stuck at certain phases. And like some of them stuck, get stuck at the phase of serving the client themselves yeah. that they never even push to building the team. Yeah. Some of them get stuck at when they build the team and they are still working with the team on the product, yeah. they get stuck there too, you know, and they don't and they start. They can't scale. They can't scale. Because then what now happens is, you know, so um, I and my partner, we usually say this way, is either you're working in the business or you're working on, on the, the business, business, right? Because if an entrepreneur must be able to move from working in, in the business to working on the business. You got it. And something that I also um, observed is that a lot of times, someone said this way, that in life you either win as a team or you lose by default. You know, I, I, that, was, that was a very powerful um, <laughs> statement that came to me. And when I thought about that, that was one of the periods where we're trying to grow as a company. Yeah. 
And I mean, we started, I started with two partners. So my, my, my. From the get go. From the get go, I knew, because <laughs> I knew that as an entrepreneur, the way I was fashioned, yeah. there were certain things that got me, but I'm not an operator. Thank right. You. Um, I'm not. So I, I know that my, <laughs> my bandwidth for operation, I could build a structure that you used to operate. I could tell you how to mm-hmm. put some things in place, but say I'll be doing it on the day to day. You are going to, <laughs> you are going to be disappointed. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, um, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs need to realize that and be comfortable with that. I'm, yeah. And be comfortable with that. Because yeah. someone has to be. I, I, I need to remember the way it was said. I, I picked it up somewhere. Someone has to be the one casting the vision. Yeah. Someone has to be the one protecting the culture. Someone has to be the one seeing the future. Mm. And that must not be lost on anyone. It must not be lost within the enterprise. Mm. So don't, don't underestimate the power of you being the one to say, guys, this is where we should be. This is what I sense. This is what I see. Don't underestimate it because when you don't see further, the team can't go with you. Yeah. You can't go with you. And if you are not seeing, everybody can just come to a halt. Right. And, and I just wanted to say that so that no, if you. So, so, because I mean, now, now talking about even the growth stage, right? Um, you already started saying what I was going to ask next, right? Which was the whole idea of equity, yeah. right? I already, from the beginning, I already gave out equity because I had partners, right? I had no other thing to give yeah, out. Yeah. And really, all I had was vision and equity, yeah. right? And all my partners could buy into was <laughs> yeah. vision and equity, yeah. right? So everybody came in, yeah. um, kind of like you. I have an engineering background, right? Um, I didn't start out in media <laughs> and comms. And my other two partners have engineering backgrounds. As a matter of fact, we're all engineers. Um, we We just happened to stumble into here by passion and by learning. So one of the things that uh, we had at that time was equity and um, vision, right? Now, considering someone who is at growth stage, who wants to attract other like minds to come into this vision? I mean, right now we have, like in the tech world, um, the ESO, the employee stock options, that we believe that most of them give them to be able to stay the best, Mm -hmm. you know. How do you think about that? And what do you, how should entrepreneurs be processing that uh, um, system? Because we don't see a lot of that as much in because Nigeria. Because not, not a lot of us are building. How do a you A lot know? of us are transacting. Whew. Okay. All right. Mic drop there. I don't, I, no, you need to go deeper. You know? <laughs> and see, eight out of ten entrepreneurs in Nigeria and Africa. And no, no, I'm not dissing anyone. No, me, I'll call it myself. <laughs> it hits me. So Let's hits me. See, we all started, most of us started entrepreneurship to earn more, to live better. Most of us. Again, the environment is my very first foreign entrepreneurship. I had to remember recently was I had to go back to being a, a, a baby boy in the world shoki. Um, and we all need knockouts for Christmas and, and New Year celebrations. And mm. the woman who sells it on the street ran out at Christmas and said she wasn't ready to go back to the market to sell for the New Year. I was like, I didn't understand. No, where, where, so where will all of us now get knockouts from? And it was that moment I decided next year I will go buy. And guess what happened? I had some money given to me by uncles. I bought, in fact, I gave someone who bought for me from the market. And I sold up before Christmas. 
I had profits and I went my, used part of my money to buy from someone else. And then after Christmas, everybody said, like, I know, bigger, you must sell more for New Year. You, 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 you didn't disappoint us. And so I saw how to get what I needed by selling to someone else. Yeah. So for entrepreneurs these days, it's a case of, man, I need more money. The whole side hustle conversation is, my salary is not enough. I need to earn more to be able to cater for my needs. That's why I say we start by transacting. It's okay. And by the way, there are people who buy and sell and are not building enterprises. Okay, I, I, I travel. I buy more like traders. Uh, traders. There are more traders transacting. But if you are building an enterprise or even if it's a vision or just desire or you're just built that way, then conversations around equity, stock options, um, your compensation for staff, all those things will 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 influence your decision, right? And by the way, and I should say this, the reason why it's becoming an abuse in the tech world is because, again, a chunk of them are building for exits. Okay, so it's more like... Uh, so there's a race to cash out and and or change lifestyle and da 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 it's, it's to, As great as it is, mm. it perhaps will limit... This thing around building. And in recent, I mean, this year, I've brought debates when I'm with some of them. You tell me you raised or you took money from you. You took money to build. I am building revenue generator. There are two different things. <laughs> two different things, totally. And, and I think media is not helping. Where we are announcing or rating startups and we are using the metric of money raised. Which is even money pledged. It's not as if you've gotten it. It's yeah, pledged. It's money pledged, yeah. And then people that are generating that same money by actual revenue, we are not rating them. You know, I I told I told I told someone once, I said I had I had I knew someone who raised like I think five or six million dollars. And then I was telling my team member, we are trying to build a product currently. Okay. And I told him, I said that don't bother yourself with that. I say he has raised six million. I have made. I was referring to say I have made x x x amount. I say we are not meats. We are not meats. We built. And interestingly, <laughs> no. I I just it was a humble brag, but yeah. I just wanted to set that person's perspective in the right direction yeah. because if if not if you don't if you don't guide yourself, you, um, feel you will just feel pressured like. What am I doing? These people raised one fifty million dollars. <laughs> I, I mean, I remember a startup that raised the hundred and fifty million dollars. Um, one time, I was like, "What? These guys have raised hundred and fifty million dollars." Now, the whole idea was that, as a matter of fact, it should put you as a as a startup under pressure because it's it's, it's a money it's money that you must return. Thank you. If you are a real <laughs> entrepreneur, we had um. What's his name? Um, Inyoloa Boyeji on this podcast, and great one guy. of the things that great guy. I mean, so one of the things he said. That got me thinking was he said something that I, that didn't leave me. He said that a true mark of an entrepreneur yeah. is your ability to return capital and dividends to your investor. Period. If you've not returned <laughs> money, <laughs> you are doing entrepreneurship <laughs> as a service. <laughs> That is that is how I think Kola Yeni was not to put that word. He said entrepreneurship as a service. And that's how I see it. Because a lot of people are pitching to raise, not pitching to build. And it goes back to something I said in passing earlier before we started. I, I'm blessed to be around some of these old guys who 
have built mm -hmm. real companies. Mm -hmm. They've gotten listed. Their companies are still thriving. They've not taken in quotes investor money at in that sense because it's future pledge. This is money guarantee. It's not audio. It's, it's there. And then they can live off dividends. And then they've brought other people to come share out of what they built. It's, it's a different conversation. It's a different... It's a different yeah, and yeah. It's, it doesn't seem to be popular around. It's a different conversation. I agree. And that way, staff members can also buy into this. So if I can show you my five-year, my 10-year growth plan, and I show you how to be a part of that in true, in true terms, I show you equity, I show you how to qualify for it. If, 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 if you're joining as a builder and not just an earner, you will be a part of it. I like what you just said. Yeah. Join, us, join a us a builder, builder not, a not just an owner. So how should um, entrepreneurs um, become that? I mean, we've spoken about it in terms of what the necessity, yeah. but you just spoke about something. I don't know if you could break down into it a bit um, in terms of how do you lay out like a plan that... You, you may need um, help of consultants to help you structure that, that okay. thing. Don't do it by yourself or else... You, you may be different. But what, 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 what are some things that one should look out for to know that they found the right person to work with to achieve that? That's a lot. It's, it's almost spiritual, honestly. It's almost spiritual. <laughs> <laughs> recruitment, is, recruitment is spiritual. Did you just say that? Yeah. I mean, I have the I have the CEO of Alan and Grant here telling me recruitment is a leading spiritual. HR company yeah. In Africa, telling me recruitment is spiritual. Is I think spiritual. we need to start prayer session right now. It is spiritual because there are people who can join you and it's bad vibes from day one and you just can't lay your hands on it. And they'll just topple mm. whatever it is you're building. They, they come to scatter what you're building. It is spirit. And I'm not being philosophical or anything. No, no, no. no. I get you. Spirit. I get you. There are people... Okay. Okay. So I'll use... Okay. I got it yesterday. And, and so it's, it's out there so I can say it. Okay. There's some news out there about Will and Smith, uh, and, Will Smith, uh, Will Smith and his family, yeah. and some guy that has been in his life twenty years plus doing his PR is coming to spill some beans that are not even true. Yeah, that said he's he's gay. Well, yeah, he's gay and all of that. Yeah. Point is, he's been in his life twenty years plus. Tell me how that was supposed to be in his life from the very beginning. Mm. Probably not, right? Because yeah. the guy is catching something they've built for decades. Right, so I'm saying to every entrepreneur here, you're starting. You want to give equity. I know, I know, guys in this market that I've had to people they ask to join to say, okay, I see what you're doing. Just come, I give you equity. Two years down the line, they regretted it. Not just in terms of what how much value they can now get, but because they now just realize it's the wrongest of person to have brought into my business. Point is that they come you didn't. If you could see your future as a business owner, five years, ten years, you should also see people for that long. Right and and please, if you are even hiring, if you are hiring, it's spiritual. I, I don't know how else to explain this. <laughs> it's spiritual. It's the GT. I don't, I don't know. GT, how else GT, to. GT, no, this is, it's, it's just from my heart. I, I, no, I, I can feel it. I can heart, feel it here spiritual. in the room. I can feel that you are not. You are not saying because I mean, I a professional you. like yourself, I know there are lots of. Uh, there are lots of things you can tell us yeah. to make it sound cool, you know, because yeah. I think um, generally, I mean, the Gen Z will call it the vibe. It's, there's a vibe. There's a strong... See, I've, I've recruited in my almost 20 years of this, doing this work, if I pull together, I must have interviewed, I, I mean, easy, 20,000 plus people. What? Yes. Yeah. And I can tell you there are times you sit in the room and someone walks in the door. As they walk in the door, there's a vibe. 
good and bad. I've seen, mm. I've sat with people. This was not even me. I've, this has happened in my current organization. It has happened like three times where my 60 plus year old GMD goes, this is the second time I'm, I've, I've never done this. I'm going against, I'm a very analytical person, but I feel, I feel I should hire you. By the time he was doing it the third time, he looked at me and said, and we have not been wrong, right? Yes. And those three people are some of our best hands. Hmm. And I was on the table when this man looked at me, looked at the candidate and went, going by everything that happened today, I shouldn't hire you. didn't do so well. Or I don't even need to ask you further questions, but I just feel you need this job and you are the right person for this role. And you tell me, go and get your person. Those three decisions, great guys that we brought into the business. So you can so one can necessarily explain that it's See, not by it's the resume. same way we spot opportunities now we spot business as entrepreneurs as yeah. entrepreneurs you just get a sense this is the right move this is the, this is the right move that same instinct is what I'm saying apply it to your people when you're hiring it's just that we don't see it in the same pedestal right if it's money making we are no I feel I feel this is the instinct I don't have it all together when we sense it around people let's go back to trust let's go back to the issue of our environment. We all have stories of people we felt like that for and we, we went against it and it worked against us. Or when we had not refined that instinct, we mm. made wrong decisions, we, we got beaten and we should have gotten better with it, learning from that error. What we now did was to shut it down. Totally. totally. Instead of, instead of refining that refining instinct it. to be able to... Which is why I now tell entrepreneurs, big, and I've been making noise about this, never make a recruitment decision in a hurry. Never hire when there is a need to hire. As an entrepreneur, you are always interviewing. You are always recruiting. You're always keeping people in a pool. When you go to speak, when you go out, when you hang out with friends, and people come to you, say, mentor me and all of that. If you give me a project today, I need 20 people. I have them in WhatsApp groups. I have them, some guy that I'm I'm just DMing. You the just last one year. saw somewhere. So this one, this one. And then sometimes we hang out for drinks. Or I, I, after an event, I just sit down. And I just talk to the person and I'm like, I'm just, I'm just putting it in. So somewhere in my head is there. Mm. You notice I did it when I walked into your room. Yeah. I only asked one person, what do you do? Mm. I only asked one person, yeah. what do you do? Every other person, I shook their hands. Yeah. But that person, I said, what do you do? And then when I was leaving, I dropped a seed to say, oh, do you do crisis management? I was expecting her to respond immediately. Mm. Or as I leave here, she sends me a DM. Oh, see, you asked me a question earlier. Because you had said, oh, you guys don't know if it's a senator or something. So let's say they don't know. But you mentioned my name. Mm. Only a few will have checked me out. Will do the, and those ones will follow. Mm. And that's how I do my interviewing. Mm. That's smart. That's how I do my interview. So I'm never under pressure. You're always looking. I'm always, I'm always hunting. I'm always who is who. In WhatsApp groups, alumni WhatsApp groups, or professional WhatsApp groups, I'm checking the quality of arguments. I'm checking someone that's posting something regularly. I follow a few people. I've turned on their notification. They have no idea. I'm checking how you write. I'm checking the things you jump on. I'm checking trends that you are conversing on. I do the same thing for partners. You are revealing who you are. And, and, and for some people, I've just never come into business with you because one year, two years, you show who you are. Hmm. So I'm not under pressure. How but, do you, how, I mean, but how do you handle, or how should entrepreneurs really be thinking about handling, um, you know, there are some people, that you, grow, you grow to a certain place, okay. your revenue is kind of sorted, yeah. and you are trying to see how you could build structure. Okay. Now, should we be thinking about 
oh, I want to look for someone that has worked in McKenzie, and mm-hmm. or should I look for someone that, um, mm-hmm. because you know, there's the whole idea of growing people, and then there's the whole idea of um, hiring, bringing in at the certain yes, already just established, buying, the buying, a, buying. I believe in both. How should entrepreneurs think about this? I believe process? in both, but it's very time sensitive. Mm. It's very time sensitive. So I'll take TM, take our media. Yeah. Uh, you've been in business how long? We're hitting 10 years next year. You're hitting 10 years next year. You have day one guys in the business still? Um, when you say day one... Partners. More like people who we have... Okay, partners, co-founders, yes. Yes. What about staff? Staff. Like, we started hiring staff from our fifth year. Okay. Yeah. Do you have any of those still in the business? Yes, we still have some. So if you hit 10 and they're still in the business, they should have grown in that five years. Yeah. And demonstrated two things, character and competence character competence some people will erroneously say hire for character train for competence some will also say hire for competence forget character i believe in both i think i have i have a third one capacity yes <laughs> how did you know that <laughs> was to get there. okay but you see capacity is proven over time okay so now that you're eating 10 years and you're going to enter another dimension of business part of those who came in and have spent five years you have given newer roles, you have given more money that people should not have a conversation with. Let me tell you what I am doing, for instance. In Alan and Grant, I have not shared equity. Okay. But Alan and Grant is creating another company within the group. And I'm using that to reward people that have shown character, competence, and capacity. Okay. So you uh, started on that company? Yeah, within the group. Oh, really? What's the, what's the company about? So there's a there's there's room for specialized recruitment companies oh, okay. in, the in the market. So I don't want we don't want to dilute our recruitment service within our land grant. So we are creating a specialist recruitment company focused on NGOs and the development space. Mm-hmm. I get what and you mean. I'm using my head of recruitment to have the highest level of equity in that business. Really? I need to reward him. He's a great guy. Or else I lose him to go start a company. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that a lot of um, businesses have lost because I think um, we haven't really built sustained businesses and institutions because we haven't given people the opportunity. So you have him go start his own, another one starts his own, and then you're having mushrooms all over the place. And if we had come together, we would have built maybe the next KPMG or the next uh, My biggest global. blessing, so let me be public with this. My biggest blessing coming to Abuja this week. You've heard me say it before that I have a plan to be in five African countries by 2025. Yes, you said so. I have met one person taking me to the whole of East Africa. Wow. Just by being open with collaboration. And I'm saying, I still don't think I should give equity, but I should do rev share. So take me into East Africa and we do revenue share. For everything you hunt and you kill and you execute, it's 80% yours. Just do 10, 20% to the poor. Yeah, you told me you were going to run But when we get things that we need you to execute in your environment, we'll, we'll reverse it. Okay. Right? And all of a sudden, before the end of 2024, what you will see is Alan and Grant in seven, eight African countries. And my point is, she's strong in Kenya. She's done this nine, ten years. I'm strong in Nigeria. She came to Nigeria looking for my market. I'm looking for our market. Why are we struggling and wasting time? You want to come here, you're going to burn cash. I want to go there. I'm going to burn cash. When we can both just be open on the table, again, trust, survival, and say, I want what you have, and vice versa. Let's do it this way. Document it, and everybody's fine. What you will see country in 2025 is a larger island and grand company 
that is in eight, ten African countries. How did it happen? Trust, sharing from the same pool. And you can handle Pan-African recruitments organizations. So, but how do we... So, you are talking about um, competence, character, character, and capacity. capacity. Some will burn you, but don't let it shut your eyes from others that won't burn you. It's interesting that you are seeing these things because Those people burn you now. It's not. It's it's it's, it's to it, don't be unrealistic with your expectations from people. Mm. people. Human beings are human beings. Some will burn you. Some. I have a staff who left me. They. I just remember all the time she spent with us. She would never do business well. She just said she was never going to do it. And this was someone I gave an opportunity to intern with us. Didn't want us to pay. Didn't want us. To, I said no problem. I gave a test. And I told her, I said, I don't want a situation where you see a proposal tomorrow, just proposal. You will see 10 million on it and you think 10 million is coming. Or even when we now eventually do the deal, the deal may not be 2 million or 5 million. You don't know the cost of business development that has gone into it, right? So come in. I can't pay you, but let me see what you can do another three months. I noticed that the first proposal she saw, that was a, that was a trick in her eyes, but I kept it. Guess what? This lady left the business same Monday. Tuesday, she put up a profile on LinkedIn saying she's country manager for some gamification learning platform mm. that she could have brought to the table when mm. she saw. And she only got because she worked with Alan and Brother. And by the end of that week, one of our biggest clients at that time called to say, you're another kind of person, but I should let you know that someone that left you is, is in my office prospecting for business. Mm. that I would have given you. Interesting. But does that mean I will not hire interns again? No, that doesn't. One of my best staff at the moment is someone who finished university, came for the Workplace Outlook in January, followed all my staff on LinkedIn and Instagram and everywhere, came to the event telling them I need to work in another land. I love what you guys are doing. Finished university, waiting to serve, lives in the same environment where the office is. Now she's serving, but she's one of our best hands. Hmm. Well, I mean, but going back to the question, right? Speaking about um, hiring an established person and building. Sorry, I missed that. So, do both. Build your talent; it's more sustainable that way. But at a certain level of growth, you will have to buy your talent. I take I take your company just from the outside, just just yeah from the outside. Yeah, tell me what is. I can almost I can almost tell if you are not careful, you will struggle with someone who handles your finance. Okay. Your finance and accounting. Okay. The person may be good enough now, and he or she is just doing accounting, not financing, not mm. helping you prepare your books to source funding, not preparing you to be investor ready. And at that point, you may have to buy that talent. Now, this is the trick with what has happened to us and the future of work and all of that. You don't have to bring the person in as a staff or as a partner. You can outsource that competence. You can find a CFO of a venture capital firm in the U.S. right now who works with you for the next two years, making you investor ready. So at that point, you are buying that talent without necessarily making the person a partner or making the person a staff. And then connect this finance person that has been loyal for a while but does not have that competence to say just relate with this person for the next two years. That's enough to keep that guy with you for the next two years. And to mm. change your outlook, will feel trusted, will have learned a lot more. And by the way, it may not leave you after two years. It's okay. Right? But it's part of the game. 
So when you sense or you pick it up or you think this person is ready for something else, not necessarily with us, you then build some sort of succession, hire a younger junior person to work with that person so that whole asset is not lost. And then have a system that keeps that asset, the documents, the learnings, a lot of that is in the business. And then you can celebrate that person leaving as again saying, oh no, after we have exposed you, you are now going celebrate it. That's why more and more organizations are now having alumni, employee alumni networks and all of that, just so that there's a pool of ex-staff that are also out there rooting for the company and challenging some manager here. So it's timing, but but it works. But balance it. Build, but at a certain level you can buy. Hmm. So how should, um, you just spoke about exits. Yeah. How should entrepreneurs be thinking about exits about, um, I mean, you know, most entrepreneurs and also firing, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah like, yeah. Um, how should one be thinking about firing? Treat people as human beings. Um, culture is what leadership allows. So if you're not seeing a laggard, a bad vibe, be strong to make the judgment call as the leader of the team. Mm. Because when you unconsciously allow that to stay on for too long, you have unconsciously told every other person, this is the way to go. The person is some secret cow and all of that. So when you need to take bold decision and fire, fire, no matter how great the person is, um, tie that to your values as a company. If someone breaches a critical value position for the sake of value, take a position, mm. right? But be human about it, right? So there's a whole process around... Um, conflict management or consequence management, we like to call it. So there's a query, there's a warning. You know. People like you will struggle to have panel meetings to discuss. <laughs> but but as you grow, as you get bigger, you have to prepare for such things. Um, there will be things totally unexpected um, around sex, around religion, around the way we talk to ourselves or around ethics, dealing with customers. Because money changes people, mm. right? you have to anticipate such things and have a policy to say, when this happens, this is what we do. So, but if you have to exit, exit. And do it quick. Cut it off before it becomes cancerous to the system. Mm. Right? Sometimes, as entrepreneurs, we struggle. We struggle to give queries. We struggle to reprimand people. What that creates is a system where you have unconsciously permitted bad behavior. Right? Which is why I go back. Culture of an organization is what the leadership has allowed. Good or bad. Right? Mm. But then, be human about it. So, um, I mean, coming down to um, the people, right, in terms of sourcing them, or should I say hiring, you know, or getting, what are you seeing? Because currently now we're at a place in the nation where there's a high unemployment rate, there is a high uh, (laughs) churnout of (laughs) of unqualified, unprepared, unprepared, talent into the marketplace. I like to say that, like the way they say for data, <laughs> water, water everywhere, not enough to drink. Yeah. You know, so there are people, people everywhere, yeah. not enough to hire, right? Um, how should, now this, I mean, we're talking about the entrepreneur, maybe yeah. people that are yeah. going to work, you know, because I was, during our conference, um, Mr. Steve Gukas was, was one of them at TMCon, and he spoke about the debt of um, quality hands in Nollywood. You know, we are in the creative space. Uh, we also produce films. We also do other um, projects that are creative or technological focused. 
And he spoke about the debt of talent. And I even told him that I had had that experience. There was a particular movie project we were working on last year. Um, most of everybody, about 30 of them, all came from Lagos to execute that project. I'm like, that are, those, that's 30 jobs yeah. that people Abuja in Abuja could have gotten, yeah. right? But they, yeah. because they don't have that skill, yeah. they are there saying there are no jobs. And as a matter of fact, there was even a particular role that he spoke about that he said that there are only two in the country. If I go to the medical space, it's worse. If I go okay. to finance, it's worse. Okay. okay, I mean, so that means it's not something that is only within the creative space. No. You know, and, but we have so many human beings. Yeah. And then coupled with um, the whole brain drain, yeah. people leaving the country, yeah. actually our best, well, yeah. our, they say our best guys are living. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how we'll classify it if yeah. all are the best guys, yeah. but um, great guys, anyways, yeah. good, talented people. Because I know this, those countries... Um, take you in based on certain competencies and um, certain qualifications and True. capacities, True. right? So, um, so obviously they are looking for the best. They are not necessarily yeah. looking for just anybody, yeah. right? So, how should um, someone within the work into within the um, the the labor pool, labor marketplace, um, be thinking in Abuja and the north? Yeah, in Abuja and the north. Well, I mean, well, if I mean, there's a difference within Abuja and Lagos. You oh, that's a, that's a clear. Um, okay, there's a clear difference. Yeah, actually, I mean, I'm in Abuja, so <laughs> I can I can agree with you on yeah, that. Yeah. You know, and then how should entrepreneurs also be um, looking for this time? Because then again, um, I will tell you my thoughts on what I think entrepreneurs should be thinking of doing. Okay. You know, but I would, but I, or what I'm just playing around with, so I would like to get your feedback on that, but after you answer this. A few things, I I need to repeat myself. Entrepreneur, you're always recruiting. Okay. So I always say, to buy and build your own talent. Okay. Um, So if I leave that and I look at the talent space in Nigeria, yes, it is tough. Uh, Some, there's what we call hard to fill roles. And it's largely driven by the criticality of the role or the high level of competence required to do it. Mm. And then there's not enough supply, right? So if you ever have such high-end, I I call them high-value skills or high-earning skills, Mm. if you have roles like that that are really sensitive in your business, don't lose them once you have people. Mm. Once you have people who can do it, don't lose them. Mm. Um, You may have to build it up from the ground up. If you talk to someone like Kinka, for some of his critical roles, he had to build up. Mm, and yeah. then he has tried to keep those people in the business over time, right? Then, if I go um, into the larger space, so Nigeria is increasingly younger. Uh, July last year, median age, 18.1. Yeah. And that will continue. Um, there's a problem with the educational system, no doubt, right? But this is what I tell entrepreneurs. Just like you said, if the countries abroad are taking the very best, it means their standards are very high. So for your business, don't because of the uh, struggle for talent, lower your standard or lower your expectation. Keep the bar high. What that would mean is that anyone who does make it through into your business is high quality, right? Just keep it high. Another thing you should do though is or understand is that, so, and I've seen this over the years doing this business in the country. Lagos is a different market to Abuja and the North. And I'm not sure businesses or stakeholders in Abuja and the North have come to that acceptance. It's it's a big problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, you brought people to do projects. We bring people and we have to hard cost of relocation, give them houses because there are things to do here. There are not enough people interested in doing them to 
not enough people capable of doing them. Because as a society or as a part of the country, we've not been very developmental in our approach to certain capabilities that are needed outside of the public sector. Mm. Right? Because even when you bring, go to any parastatal and you go very high up, what you will see will be people outside of this environment occupying sensitive roles. If you have people in this environment, in those critical roles, they are placeholders. But the people really doing the work are not, and you know what I mean, in, in terms of ethnic groups, are not from this environment. Right? And that's a big problem. So, what should we do? Find a way of building your own talent pipeline. Or you will run out or you keep buying at expensive. Right? So, if you have a mentorship scheme, you have a way of positioning yourself to even attract the very best. So, be that media creative company in Abuja and the North that the top 10 of the 1,000 talents or interested in that space want to come work with. Create some system that allows people, so I get to your website, I get on your page. I mean, it's called employer equity, right? Or employer branding, someone will say. I'm interested in working with you. Let your leaders be available to mentor and counsel. This podcast is amazing. So anyone interested in media in this place should come for an interview and the first thing you hear, you ask is, uh, do you follow us or do you know about our podcast? And if they say no, they can't obviously be in the top 10. <laughs> Things like that. Because if they're in the top 10, they've been following you, they've been dropping comments, they're around you because you attract them. So be the best. So I've seen situations where companies are not as great in terms of quality of work and who they are as a company, but they just now say there's no good people coming in. No, you are not in yourself good. So you are not going to attract good. So if you are very good, be more deliberate about attracting good and they will come to you. Mm. And you will find that 10% in a crowd of 1,000 because that's the other side. I know enough to say that there are really good people in town. They're just not in enough supply. Mm. Right? So if you must attract them, step out of the crowd as that company they must come to. Online, offline, and create some system that allows you. So when you go out to speak or find a way to say, so I take now university in Abuja. Why can't you go there and say, uh, go to the mass comm department, for instance, and say, as a business, you are willing to receive as visits. Ten of them can come once a month. Just come into this office, interact with us, spend one hour, two hours, and go. What that does is creates a pool of people for you. Give them projects. Give them things to do. And you are testing them. And go and check it. Your Googles and co. Have some university ambassador programs by year two, year three. They're already interacting. And then you can go to now university and say, you know what, for MassCom, to law, to technology, we commit to give internship to the very best five that graduate from this school. The very best five. And that's even just saying knowledge or competence at that level. So what that does is create some steady supply for you of young talent, again, from this environment. Hmm. I mean, that's, that's an interesting perspective. I think we, um, our attempt at that was we started a program called Digital Native Africa. It's an online platform basically for learning. Yeah. So we have like our talent in-house, you know, and um, we are trying to do, uh, what do you call it? Like they, they will teach, mm-hmm. you know, and then from the quality of talents that we see on that platform, and, you know, even with TMCon and TM Connect. You know what we are building. But Sustain it. I, I think something that something that I think we will do. Uh, my partner Mark also t- said we're going to do it, but we've not started it. But what you just said now just switched off that light bulb, which was um, 
we're going to do like a media and technology fellowship, you know, so Lovely. so that we Lovely. can have um, more of this talent come around. And as a result of the end of the fellowship, we can have some of them. And you then know. supply to the market. Yeah, supply. No, so it's 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 it's, it's beyond us. <laughs> yeah. We can't take everybody. <laughs> we can't take everybody, right? Yeah. I mean, it's beyond us. Because I get a lot of people calling me all the time. Oh, I need a graphic designer. Oh, I need a social media communicator. I need a digital marketer. And I'm like, I mean, in Lagos there is Orange Academy, right? Yeah, there's Orange Academy. Is there Orange Academy? No, no, we don't. And I was, I mean, I will follow up with my conversation <laughs> on this, and I will ensure that we get it done. Yeah. Um, but now thinking about. Um, the talent themselves. I mean, you spoke about the business person, right? Yeah. The talent themselves. Are there f- areas that you think the average Nigerian talent should be thinking about? Like um, certain skill areas or certain issues? So, so incidentally, we also have had to start some entry-level graduate recruitment thingy mm. again to help at that level because looking at the entire market, the challenge we're seeing is that the problem is really at that entry point. We don't have enough good hands coming into the market, right? Um, so we need to do a bit more to attract at that level. I think there are four key thematic areas mm-hmm. uh, that we can use to sort of define this body of areas of skill sets that the average employee should be looking at. So one will be um, what I call personal leadership. Okay. Or personal leadership or self-management. There's a lot that goes into that, right? Just that ability to know yourself, know your capabilities, know your weaknesses, and you can manage yourself to get things done. You can correct yourself when you're wrong. Just that sense of mm. self-awareness. I'm not, my life is not in your hands. My life is in my hands. When you see that at that level, it sets, it, and it's a skill to be developed. Right. Mm. And if you live in a country like Nigeria, where everybody blames the government, everybody blames the leader, yeah, there's a lot of entitlement. Band, yeah, can just join that bandwagon, and and you it becomes an unconscious. So we are a very entitled environment, right? So that's one. Two will be that ability to now relate with others, and that can be many things: networking, emotional intelligence, selling. Mm. Um, can you get into a bar and strike a conversation with a stranger? Can you? Can you? Can you just and talk with me three hours and we are jumping from one topic to another? Can we discuss Nigeria and we have not abused anybody? Mm. We have not cost anybody. Mm. Can I tell you to tell me top 10 problems in Nigeria and you don't mention corruption? Mm. Right? They say out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out yeah. of the emptiness of the head, the mouth cannot speak. Yes. So you can then see depth, you can see in things like that. So there is self and there's that ability to talk to others. The other body that I see, which is the third bracket, is just that understanding of how things outside of you works. So how does the economy work? Mm. Do you business acumen? Do you understand basic economics? Do you understand governance? Do you mm. understand politics? Do you understand business stakeholders? Do you understand regulation? It depends on the market. So that's the how the economy works. And the last would be how does a business work? How does what is sales? What's marketing? What's finance? Mm. And you don't have to be a specialist in any of this. You just have basic knowledge or know it in depth. Mm. For me, those are the four buckets: self, and there is relating with others. So you say you are currently working on. Um... So there is. Uh, it's it's called first steps. Uh, it's a graduate level. We call it first steps. A graduate level. 
uh, accelerator program to run like a fellowship. We made a call two months ago. In one month, we got uh, 2,500 applications. Wow. My guys are currently, you know, going That's through that. So we are making it a four, we initially considered four months, but it's looking like the pilot will be like a two months hybrid induction program. Again, we're one of the best in the market doing entry level graduate recruitment, induction, and placement program. So we just start to turn that capability in-house. And our plan is to say, we would start with about 50 or 100, take them through that, and then place them in partner organizations. Just give more people the opportunity to come into the workplace in an accelerated manner at that entry level. I believe that will reduce. So we are testing it with Pilot One. Once we do that early next year, we'll now launch it fully where we want to do 10,000 in five years and then place 30% of them. Okay, so will you like make it digital courses or something? Yeah, there will be digital courses, there will be physical, there will okay. be, and then we'll make it regional at some point and, and bring in partners like yourself. Because there is a generation of people that have not entered an office like this before. And True. They, they graduated from university. True. There are people that have not turned on a laptop. So, but what do you think, what do you think, Okay, so I'll I'll share I'll share thoughts, right? Okay. Um, someone was of the of the opinion that we need more low level jobs available to cater for the current unemployment, uh, what do you call it, <laughs> pool? Because trying to upskill everyone or trying to get all of us thinking high level will not necessarily be successful. I actually agree. So take the TVET space. Take yeah. take take a Nigerian bureaus. I mean, free publicity. Take a Guinness. Yeah, you don't need to be a university graduate to be on a line. Um, take mechanics. Take trading. Just a bit to buy and sell or sell something. Mm. Um, just just at that level. Um, take take. Um, take. Uh, store verification or stock verification mm. just count goods record things that basic let's get let's get 30 million young nigerians in their early 20s being able to earn under 80 to 100,000 naira a month yeah okay forget ai prompt engineers forget I and mean, leave the other one side Forget someone that wants to be work for Amazon. All those are answers. I'm just saying, can we do anything mm. to get 10, 20, under 25 Nigerians? It's not the it's not a great salary, but just take home a hundred thousand a month. I think I think I mean you just mentioned something about um, everyone trying to work for a, for Amazon. I think it we won't do ourselves great. We're good. actually not helping. Yeah, media. we we overemphasize those jobs. Yeah, over. But I mean, they are they are they are limited, right? I don't think we should outsource our responsibilities in terms of hoping that Facebook will take them or <laughs> Amazon will take them because how many can they really take? you know, part-time. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's not the way we are positioning it. In fact, you are making that receptionist in that three-star hotel in Abuja feel like she's not doing anything. She should abandon that and go and be a developer. When what we should be saying is, do that for two years, three years, and then take a portion of what you're doing, a portion of that 100,000 naira, to now learn, so you are a customer service person. You already sit on data. 
So go join the data business analysis is a big deal. Go take five thousand every month from your salary of fifty seventy, and re- use it to buy data and learn on YouTube for the next one year. Or go to a data management school that teaches you data or data analysis and all of that, and commit to that learning the next two years of your life. Yes, you're a receptionist. You you receive guests. You record it somehow. Tell me how you will not have practiced data management or data analysis as a receptionist in an hotel, and you can now tell that owner of the hotel, you can churn data and, and, and give business intelligence from that. If you sit before me in an interview where I'm looking for a finance analyst in an insurance company, and you give me that as an example, then I can elevate you from there and take you to be a finance analyst. The problem is we are letting this person feel like she's doing nothing, and then we are looking for the ready person to come and do that finance analyst job and pay 500000 So this guy says there's nobody in the market. This person says my job is not valued. And so he or she is sitting on something, however little, but she's not growing it. And then we have that, that gap in the middle. So let's emphasize this to keep the standard high. But let's also let these people feel good about what they are doing. They are, they are okay where they are, but show them that pathway. So you are right now a customer service person on contracts in a bank. It's not the end of the world. You have a job. You leave the house. But take a portion of that. Don't get stuck, right? Invest a portion of the salary you are earning now to enhance your capabilities such that if I see the bank sees you in two years, three years, does a conversion program, and then you can go in. Don't go there costing the bank, costing the country. Because three years, five years will come and meet you there, and then the bank will say, well, you are now too old or you are not good, you don't have what we need, and sack you. Hmm. That's powerful. So what do we think about AI in the workplace? It's here to stay. It's phenomenal. Um, How should we be thinking about it? it will, technology it makes your people? life easier. Mm-hmm. And that's the attitude. Technology makes your life easier. I get stuck sometimes. I just I just turn on my tab. I throw in something, and it gives me data. I work with it. It's, it's, it's officially the one thing that is going to rival search. Right, and we're going to see many other things come out of it. I tell people to just go back, whatever, wherever we were before the internet came, is where we are now. Now that AI has matured, but AI has been with us a long time ago. I mean, I I, I made a joke or a post on Instagram a few days ago where I said what started my own journey was about twenty years ago. I stumbled on an article that said top top seventy paying jobs the year twenty thirty. Mm. That was what started this whole craze for me because. 50-70% of those jobs didn't even exist then. Mm. But look around you today. We now have commercial flights to and fro the moon. Mm. Right? So the same thing with AI and several other things that is going to come with it. It's here to stay. It's, it's, it's here to make our jobs better. Um, people are afraid of it. People are excited about it. Uh, there's a big conversation around regulation for it. I mean, um, but at the crux of it is to say, let me enhance your intelligence. Mm. Right? Let me give you a tap into some global resource uh, where you can get more data. And so it's here to stay. And I, I'm a big fan of it. I'm a big fan of uh, But it won't replace jobs. It won't replace. See, officially speaking, um, we've had more jobs created with the development in technology than we've had jobs taken out. Mm. Uh, and there are examples all around us. The issue is that the new jobs being created require newer capabilities that people don't have. Okay, so people need to study what those capabilities necessarily require and then... Okay, so are you telling me there's no... Rec- okay, so before this boom on AI, let's just say the last 
two, three years. Let's just it's more than that, but let's just do three years. Tell me the number of jobs and new career paths and startups that are now AI focused and the sort of jobs they've created. Point is those jobs didn't exist before that. And the new jobs created because of this development is an addition to what existed before. Now, over time, this development will reduce the need for some routine repetitive jobs here. Yeah. But this provides an opportunity for employees and employers here to enhance their skills and be able to do more of this. Okay, I get it. And then more value for their time. For their time. And then those lower people that don't need iron jobs and don't need to build iron skills can then come into... There are still sectors that don't need this. Mm. There's a level of farming. There's a level of hospitality. There's a level of this business. There's a level of retailing that still needs that. Yeah. And so we just we just bring people into faces as technology because technology won't stay, won't stop, right? Most of our guys are in all sectors that traveled abroad. They've been, I have never been this busy with recruitment in my 20 years plus business doing doing this business. Why? Wow. Some left, they created roles to be filled. I've made too much money in recruitment. <laughs> so I'm not complaining. Wow, that's 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 phenomenal. I, I mean, as we round off, um, this I have a, I have a question for I'm you. Fun. I'm fun. Uh, no, I have actually enjoyed this conversation. I didn't know how much time had gone. <laughs> I don't know how much time had gone. So, um, so where what industries, if you were to if you were to be the work for you're not HR, what industry would you be strategy in? Strategy and corporate comps. Strategy and corporate comps. That's one. Hmm. Or I'll be I'll be in programs management. Programs management. Yeah. And if I go way back, yeah. I used to love I used to do pencil work. So I had some creativity around me. So I love colors. I love drawing. I'll probably be in architecture. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So what areas do you see what roles do you see not going away in the future? Human the application of human intelligence. Application of human intelligence. Ability to sell. AI will not be able to take that away. Nah, it should just enhance it. Ability to sell. Everybody's going to sell. Use AI to create anything, you have to sell it. You see that human connection? That This, this walk into a room, feel the vibe, connect, adapt. It's not AI. What do you think make? What was one thing that you think makes a winning team? If it was one. One thing. Hmm. Stupidity. Eh? Stupidity, and by that I mean we are all stupid to continually, continually learn, and we are all stupid to continually adapt and apply what we've learned. And mm. at any height of success, we are all still stupid because we all really don't know. Mm. Interesting. <laughs> we really don't know. We just we are all just caught up in what we think we know. What's what's one um, as a as a HR... So I would rather stay hunger for knowledge. Okay. Stupidity uh, I mean, this person says, <laughs> uh, uh, Steve Jobs calls it stay hungry, stay foolish. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what, um, what organization right now in Nigeria, I know you might not want to advertise them, it's okay if you, if you don't want to answer, but what organization right now in Nigeria do you think you really love? Um, GT Bank. Really? I hope people study that organization and the way they evolve and the way they... And I'll give you a few examples. Go back to GT, GT Create Accounts. Mm. GT Bank was perhaps one of the first banks that went to universities and made young people... It was trendy to have a GT Bank account as a young yeah. person in universities. Yeah. And if you check 10 years later, 
it's strange to have people around you say, give me a bank account, you don't have a GT account. There's been, that has been challenged recently, so that's one. Two, they were the first who saw the need to engage people outside of banking. They created the SME Market Hub, they created Indani TV. These were two strong anchors with which they engaged people outside of core banking. So you had looked at Orange, Orange. That was why Orange has seeped into your subconscious so much. I'll give you two phenomena. When people, when it became a trend not to paint the walls in your room same color, check the color that people were using to paint one wall. It was orange. Mm. And then you'll come out, two or three banks, there's a queue in front of an ATM. It was GT Bank. And no one would think of checking if the other one was working. Right? And then, it's just the way they evolve and see what they've done with the fashion thingy. See what we've done with, they were also the first to really make it a thing to do end of year parties and bring international artists and create an opportunity for customers to interact with things they love outside of core banking. So they broke down your walls and you could not but have a bank account and do business with them. Uh, they were the first in that market that considered having a holding code structure, you know, and, and it was the MD that went to speak at Social Media Week for the first time. Mm. you know, and sold a future and what he was trying to do with the bank and all those sort of things. Mm. So it's just how, as an organization, and then if you consider that founding fathers, the founding 40, not except from Shagun and a few people, none of them are in the same organization and that organization is still existing today. Um, just look at their difference, look at the way they've run and grown over time. Uh, I, I love them. I love, I love, love everything. I love them. Oh, interesting. What about, what was one book you would um, tell an entrepreneur to read right now? Bold. Bold by? Uh, it's, it's titled Bold. It's, uh, I don't know the... Okay, what's, why? Uh, so it talks about how entrepreneurship, how you can make... So it talks about, one thing about the book is, it shows how the world's biggest problems are biggest opportunities. It talks about exponential growth and how that there's also exponential technology. Uh, it's, it's and it, it, in a way, and that's what I'm reading for 2020, I'm reading it right now. It talks about how there is geometric growth, but there's exponential growth. And it, it shows how that it's in the times that we are in now that there is such, there's such opportunity to impact at a massive scale because there's such problem at massive scale. I think, um, interestingly, one of my friends uh, posted something on LinkedIn recently. It made me very, it made me think. It said um, when he left Nigeria, he currently has a very successful business. Um, his name is Aitayo Utiva. I know. Okay, so um, he said that when he left Nigeria in a particular year, running from Nigeria, that was the year that the likes of Money Point and the rest were starting. You understand? And and can't he, compete he, he gave, right yeah, he can, yeah, I mean, <laughs> they build ma- he's still successful, but yeah, he, they built massive success, right? Um, but and even someone told me that the top companies right now most started in 2008, 2009 during the uh, just don't listen, you know. And they say something about history is that we observe that no one learns from history, right? Even though it repeats, <laughs> even though it repeats itself. And okay, so um, also, what should what what's one advice you give to any entrepreneur right now? in this Nigerian, um, with this dollar thing. And I mean, we saw what Paystack happened with Paystack. We said they, they dropped monies, yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, drop the, drop the, there's a weight that comes from failing. Uh, there's a shame that comes with it and it gives, it creates a weight. I would tell any entrepreneur to drop that weight. 
in this time. So you can't be too exact with your plans. You can't be too sure. We don't know what we know. We we're not sure what we know. And we're sure we're still not sure. There'll be many changes. There'll be a few wrong calls. Um, and so when you get some things wrong, be be open enough to admit, be open to your team and forgive yourself as quickly as you can because a few of us are still going to fail at a few things. Mm. Don't let that weight cripple your intelligence, cripple your drive, cripple. And it gets worse when you've succeeded because you now have something to lose, as it were. You, you lose your cred and all of that. But failure is a part of the game. So what's one lesson you've learned from success? It should never satisfy you. Mm. Should never satisfy you. Um, success should just give you leverage for more. Leverage. Success is leverage. Success is leverage. Yeah. I think you've already told us your, your lesson from failure. So. Oh yeah. yeah. So, so because the advice you gave was about <laughs> failure, so I mean, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't need yeah. to ask you that. Okay. All right. Thank you very much, it's, it's I really fun. appreciate Thanks, it. It's been excellent, it's, it's and so I can't fun. wait for this episode to go out and for people to learn. <laughs> so subscribe to the channel, um, yes, this venture valley where we curate um, information that will help entrepreneurs building from Africa on how to build global businesses and how to think about building um, with innovation, with knowledge from people who have gone ahead and people who are currently building. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank look you so seeing. much. Thank you. I look forward to you joining me on this journey as we dive into the raw conversations on Earth Insights and on Earth Strategies that will help you build successfully from Africa. Join me on this journey and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.